Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Science Faction. The only show where a scientist, a comedian, and a comedian scientist come together to discuss science. Comedically. Hello, and welcome to Science Faction 602. Science Faction, the power of aluminum, and sleeping away Alzheimer's. I believe you're referring to aluminium. Mr. Mr. Timothy. <laughs> yes, I am, random British guy. I just, I, I'm, I'm actually Richard Dawkins. Oh. I was in, it was in Damien's um, living room, his closet, uh, simply grabbing some undergarments I'd left here the night before. <laughs> and I, I couldn't help but, but hear an American butcher, uh, uh, the, the aluminium, uh, as if rewriting the language to his own uh, convenience. Oh, dear. I love the idea that uh, Richard Dawkins and you apparently have some sort of weird tryst-based relationship. Well, I mean, this life is so short. Um, <laughs> I, I, I originally came over to Damien's house to demand that he'd simply uh, retract his, his, po- his pornographic version of the blind condom maker. <laughs> Showed up to his house to threaten litigation. Uh, but was swept up in his blue eyes and, uh, and, and flattened machismo. And I found myself putty in his hands. See, I would have gone with The Blind Watcher, a tale of Braille-based voyeurs. Uh, well, please, uh, but Mr. Timothy, what other pornographic adaptations would you make from my novels? Well, the cock delusion just seems right the low-hanging fruit. Oh, that is a good one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I uh, I do like the idea of a blind voyeur, though, because I'd love to see him get away with it. <laughs> Your Honor, if I couldn't see it, it didn't happen. You know how you stop a blind voyeur? Buy a screen for your goddamn windows. <laughs> Seems like there's a lot of things you could do to stop a blind voyeur. <laughs> Yeah, maybe a lot of Home Alone-like traps around your house, like micro-machines set out at the bottom of the stairs. Listen, I'm not the biggest police fan in the world, but like, if cops can't stop a blind... If I can't rely on 911 to stop a blind voyeur, what are we paying for? <laughs> it sounds like a like a lost Lord Byron poem, the blind voyeur. <laughs> this is pornography at one point in history. <laughs> oh, the blind voyeur. I feel like I'm being watched because that blind guy's hands are all over my cock. He could be imagining anything all over my cock. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, actually, you know, according to a blind proverb, this African guy thought I was an elephant. (laughs) It takes a village to jerk me off. Speaking of the person who it takes a village to jerk off, I, of course, am your host, comedian archaeologist, Robert Timothy. Uh, And with me, as always, is the blind voyeur himself, Mr. Damien Mercado. (laughs) Damien, how are you doing this afternoon? Doing great. Looking for this village. This is is communal living. This this is what it's all about. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, dude, yeah. One blind man thought I was a snake. The other one thought I was an elephant. And uh, the third one thought I was highly inappropriate for being naked around so many blind people. One of them was right. Guess which one? (laughs) It was the snake. (laughs) snake. Oh, oh, man. Anyway, needless to say, I got a Braille tramp stamp now. (laughs) It's a drawing of a butterfly, but it's made in raised bumps. 
Oh, I see. I was uh, like, like to your unaverage, to your untrained person, it just feels like you have warts on your back. But like, <laughs> but, but but like very, it's like in a grid. It's not like like they're not random. Oh dear! And if you guys are liking our re-release of last year's Patreon episodes, uh, you know they're about a year old, but there's still some good science and good comedy in there. And you're thinking, "Wow, man, I wish I would have heard this when it first came out." Where can I hear four additional science news articles every single week from these guys? The answer is Patreon. So check out Robert Timothy on Patreon to sign up to be able to listen to I Call BS, where you will get a whole new episode with four separate science news articles every single week. Not only that, but uh, you will probably get somebody like Alex Jones, uh, Copernicus, I don't, I don't know, uh, whoever yeah. the hell. Uh, you, 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 I also t- uh, we also take requests if you'd like, uh, but you get a shout out. We do get a lot of a uh, lot of famous scientists coming our way on that show. Yeah, Richard Dawkins was here. I mean, he could have done a shout out. Uh-huh. He didn't because right. nobody stepped up. But <laughs> I mean, I guess he did a shout out to like your guys's grinder relationship. But other than that, he did a shout out to to seizing the day, to living once. You know, I mean, like <laughs> he could have left this house with with litigation and resentment. But instead, I left with a phone number and memories that will that will delight me to my deathbed. And and some pretty inappropriate pictures of blind dudes doing shit. <laughs> well, I'm off to write my next novel on my flight back to Cambridge. Goodbye. <laughs> uh, speaking of which, you also get a shout out. We've ha- we've said this a bit ago, uh, but it's Bobby. Do you know fun fact? Well, I don't know if it's a fun fact. It's kind of a depressing fact, especially considering <laughs> our numbers have been considering have been going up over the past year. Yeah, but uh, it has been over a year since we had our last five-star review and comment on iTunes, which is kind of a record for us. Again, especially consider the disparity between our numbers when we started and now and like how much comments have slowed down. But the drought is over because The Lonely Grape gave us a five-star review and had this to say. Great podcast. Love the comedy and the facts. I've tried leaving detailed reviews many times and it won't let me. So here is a simple one. Give it a listen. It is fun and informative. There we go. Thank you. Thank you, Lonely Grape. Very gra- cool. The Lone Grape. The Lonely Grape. Hey, uh, let lone me ask gra- you this. Is it Lonely Lone Grape? What do you think that name references? Because in my mind, I was like, all right, this dude loves killing kids under five. <laughs> and dogs. <laughs> yeah. Like, for those of you who don't know, like, ch- like, grapes are one of the number one things kids under five choke on. Can't get it out once it's stuck in there if it's not cut up. So I'm thinking uh, hates children. What do you think? Tyler likes drunk kids. Fuck you. Which is awesome, which is the flip side to that coin. But no, no, no. Uh, what I was thinking maybe is that, you know, uh, you know, I, I've often heard of like a, a dark superhero, uh, an antihero, if you will. If you think of like the California grapes, the uh, the grapes that's, okay. that sold out their people into uh, yeah to be to be consumed by humans in mass as a part of a marketing campaign. Are you imagining like a John Wick version of one of these California ones that they 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 got out of the group right before the bad shit happened and now they're trying to go back and get their revenge on the Russians? Yeah, I, I'm saying he's hunting. There's a reason we haven't seen a, a musician grape selling the fruits of the vineyard to us in a while. I'm telling you, this lone grape, this science hero, has uh, this this listener to our show has hunted them all down. No, so thanks so much, Lone Grape. That is awesome. Uh, Damien pays way more attention to this stuff than I do, which is why I'm glad he's here. I don't check it out that much, but uh, if this is the longest drought we've had, and you have, uh, and you have broken that drought, then let me let me just say, I stand beside you as we work together to suffocate young children. I believe we we can thank Lone Grape. He's a hero, mm-hmm. but we also need to shame all the people 
people who are listening and not giving us five-star reviews on iTunes. The rest of the bunch of the grapes, so to speak. <laughs> yes. I'm Kai Rizdahl, Bobby's Terry Gross, and Ira Glass. And we've been giving you the PBS Pledge Drive for over a year. And not one donation, <laughs> not one car has been donated to your local radio station. Oh, dear. Well, thank you, audience. Please go ahead and leave that review when you get a chance. And for now, let's move right on to science articles. From molecules to particles, this is Science Articles. Maybe that's it, Bobby. Maybe we should start talking like uh, an NPR station. Maybe I should just say penis like this. I gotta say, between her voice and her name, I always thought Terry Gross could really transition to porn very easily, right? Like, they, first of all, Terry Gross is already kind of a porn name. Like, it definitely is. <laughs> that is. Yeah, that is. And then with that, like, weird ASMR voice, like, she could definitely, she could make the switch. She has a lot of inner beauty, Bobby. <laughs> Just... <laughs> no, let me tell you something. Everything about that woman, from her name to her sexual exploits to the stuff she does on film is fucking gross. Sign me up. <laughs> Give me that OnlyFans. In fact, it was only because of like a, a fluke of uh, the Porn Screen Actors Guild. Do you know how like Michael Keaton's name isn't actually Michael Keaton? He had to take that name because mm -hmm. his actual name was already taken in the Screen Actors Guild. Uh, a similar thing happened actually to Terry Gross uh, when she was signing up both for porn and NPR, uh, which is why <laughs> you don't hear her reporting on NPR as Terry Giant Strap-On. <laughs> You know, uh, there's a lot of science podcasts you can go out there, but very few science podcasts are brave enough to sexualize Terry Gross, are brave enough to do what what I know they want to do on Skeptic's Guide. Oh, dear. Let's do some Terry Gross sex stuff. All right. Article number one, <laughs> aluminum power. Um, I'm sorry. I came back in to grab. Uh, I, I, I admittedly left some more some more underwear here hoping to fly back from Cambridge, but this is getting, uh, it's going to interfere with my work schedule. And I overheard you, it's aluminium, Mr. Timothy. <laughs> aluminium. All right, you got to get the fuck out of here before I do some Terry Gross-ass shit to you. Oh, no. She, she's upset at me. I ghosted her on our last date. <laughs> I must go. Uh, so this is a really interesting article with some kind of nerdy physics, but I think you'll see why it's important once you understand it. So the, we have a need to review a couple of concepts first. A lot of stuff we have talked about on this show before, so some of it will be a review for some of you. If it's your first time hearing it, well, maybe you'll learn something new. So first of all, how do we generate electrical power? In general, we have a couple of different ways of doing this, but most of the time it just adds up to creating hot water and then using the steam as it leaves to generate hot water by either spinning a turbine or making pistons go up and down that then in turn spin a turbine. The idea is you pass an electric coil through a magnetic field and you can then generate electricity. That's everything from hydro dams to nuclear reactors on ships. They basically just create steam and you know shoot stuff out. Similar process in our cars. Our cars has a, have a motor that is turning usually due to gasoline and that motor turns a shaft that turns the alternator, which then is again basically a little generator. It's a, a coil of wires inside a magnetic field and that creates electricity. So in general, usually by some kind of kinetic action, a lot of times from fossil fuels, but also sometimes from renewable energies, we create electricity. Now, 
in things like solar cells, it's a little different. Wind is the same power. It's the same thing. It's, you know, something spinning and it's generating. Now, solar cells are a little different. That actually takes uh, advantage of the photoelectric effect where certain silicon cells, when hit by a photon of light, will release an electron. So that is kind of how we generate electricity. How we store electricity is much more complicated because in a lot of cases, we just don't. Like, obviously, you have batteries in your cars. Some of you might even have batteries in your houses that hook up to solar or something like that and help supply you with energy. But in general, the U.S. grid produces energy on demand and does not have very much storage. So we just got to produce as much electricity as we can. Hopefully it gets used, the stuff that doesn't gets wasted. And that's the way we've been doing things for a long time. And we've talked on this show a lot about energy storage. How do we store it? Old electric car batteries, you know, even pumping a bunch of water up a hill and using that as a flow a reservoir of kinetic energy. All that kind of stuff is very, very important. But one of the things we've talked a lot on this show about is storing electricity through hydrogen. Specifically, hydrogen can be a source of electricity in something called a hydrogen fuel cell, where when hydrogen combines with oxygen, it releases water and electricity. And that small amount of electricity can be harnessed, just like it could be in a battery, to power something like an electrical car. So we've talked about a hydrogen fuel cell for a long time, which is something that combines that free hydrogen and that free oxygen and gets electricity sorry, out Richard of it. Sorry, Richard Dawkins back again. It's actually oxygenium. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> this is a really interesting process because it's essentially an unlimited battery. It's one where that isn't going to go bad. And your source of that battery is just water. You take standard water, you run an electrical current through it that separates the hydrogen from the oxygen. The reverse process, when you combine them, instead of taking energy, gives out energy. So this is just basically an infinitely renewable battery to use. And what a lot of people think a lot of the modern energy economies will be built on, because electricity can only do so much. You need to put it through electrical lines and things like that. If you want a portable source of power, hydrogen is a great one, because not only can you create it anywhere you are using water and electricity, you can have simple fuel cells that transfer that back into electricity, and the entire thing is a carbon neutral process, assuming the energy going into it is carbon neutral, because all you're doing is breaking apart water and putting it back together. There is no CO2 release, and you are essentially, yeah, carbon neutral. You're putting out water and electricity, and that's it. So that is the background, and that has been the goal for a long time. How do we create a hydrogen economy? How do we, you know, make hydrogen fuel cell cars? If you asked me 25 years ago, I would have thought hydrogen fuel cell cars would be much bigger than straight electric battery cars, and that just isn't the case, though it may be soon in the future. Okay, so that is a primer on electricity, hydrogen, and what we call electrolysis, which is the process of splitting up... Removing hair from yes. unwanted body hair. Yes, uh, it's all done in Armenia, where they split water into <laughs> hydrogen and oxygen by running electrical current through it. Of course, okay. if, if they were to use a coal-powered plant, the earth would have burned up to, for by a body hair removal 100 years ago. So that was all the background. So what does this article suggest? Well, it suggests that aluminum and gallium could be a cheap and easy source of hydrogen. So what did we know before this? Since the 1970s, we knew that aluminum in its pure form can transform water into hydrogen and oxygen, just like we talked about doing Alchemy. with electrolysis by... By running uh, electricity through it. Instead, the reason is aluminum attracts that oxygen, bonds to it, and pulls it away from the hydrogen. So essentially, just putting the, the aluminum in the thing, there's no energy involved. Just dipping aluminum in a bunch of water will cause the production of hydrogen because the aluminum gathers up the oxygen and separates it from the hydrogen. However, the reason that doesn't happen every time you put a piece of aluminum foil in a cup of water is because aluminum has this property where essentially the second it touches air, it has a, a crust that forms 
forms over it, similar to rust. It has an oxidizing crust that forms over the top of it that essentially forms a skin so it can't come in con direct contact with that water. Well, gallium is a chemical that strips that skin away from aluminum so that when aluminum does come in contact with water after being dipped in gallium, it does produce hydrogen. Now, we've known this since the 1970s. However, the mixture of this has been somewhat of a mystery. Nobody has really looked into it. Well, really interesting story where this paper came from was actually just an undergrad talking to his physics professor and saying, look, I've been watching these YouTube videos about dudes dipping gallium and aluminum, cut up aluminum foil and getting hydrogen. And I, I want to try that. And he didn't have like a standardized methodology. So the yeah, professor said, only fans are lame. Like this. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm going to dip this aluminum all up in this water. Oh, what's this step gallium walked in? <laughs> She's stuck. <laughs> so the professor sent him with the grad student to help him set up design experiments and stuff. And what this guy did, which nobody had done seemingly, at least in the literature, is instead of going aluminum heavy on the mixture, he went gallium heavy on the mixture. And that turned out to produce a fuck ton of hydrogen, way more than they anticipated even using a whole bunch more gallium. They had nowhere near this much before, and they think it's actually creating like aluminum microparticles. And the smaller the particle you create, the more surface area any given substance has, and so therefore the more, in this case, hydrogen that it can produce by bonding with the water around it. Very, very, very cool. And so what he found out is they were able to pull out more than 90% of the theoretical limit of hydrogen in any given amount of water. That's insane because we don't even know if you could pull out 100% of the theoretical limit of any amount of uh, hydrogen in any given uh, amount of water. They, they pulled out 90% just dumping this shit in. Keep in mind, no electricity, no energy input going into this. It is literally just dumping that aluminum and the gallium and aluminum mixture in there. It gets even better, though, because even though gallium's expensive and somewhat hard to get and stuff, it's actually reusable, meaning every time you do this process, you could pull that gallium back out and keep reusing it, keep reusing it. So... In reality, you could create a shit ton of hydrogen with like a roll of aluminum foil, some gallium you reuse over and over again, and a bunch of jugs of sparklets. This is going to revitalize. I mean, meth, meth economies will run themselves. That's, I, I just picture a lot of like, like garage, like the people who, uh, who uh, were making home meth, now they're making home electricity. Man, I got you. That's <laughs> right. I hook you up. I want to reemphasize this. They're producing hydrogen with no contemporaneous energy input. Now, it's not that there are no energy inputs because the reality of the fact is this is driven by the physical nature of aluminum, which is created in large energetic reactions. And therefore, it's not like this is free energy. It's just that we are reusing the energy input that is put into aluminum when aluminum itself is forming like stars and shit like that. So similar to nuclear energy, it's not like we're creating free energy. We're releasing energy that's in lock that's already locked in a, in a specific substance. But this is absolutely amazing. It is very, very cool. And one more step towards a hydrogen economy. And I want to let everyone know this is a big, big deal. This will affect how we produce hydrogen, at least in some localized circumstances, probably indefinitely. And I want to remind you, this was discovered by an undergrad looking at YouTube videos and going, hmm, I should talk to my professor about this. Look out fossil fuel industries, or at least the old way of doing things within the fossil fuel industries. I just love that. I love that idea. I, mm -hmm. I think that like speaks to everybody out there who's interested in science, who isn't necessarily like a PhD candidate or stuff. Like this is a real thing. This guy will have changed the world to some extent. Maybe it'll be like some weird little industrial niche or something. But and that the oil companies kill him and erase his research. <laughs>
Well, this undergrad will have changed the world with this idea. And I want to put this out there because you can change the world with your ideas, too. And just the fact that you're not, you know, like a professor at Harvard doesn't mean that you can't think of something and then go do the follow up research to prove something that is incredibly important that will be wrong long, long after you're dead. Yes, Bobby. And I'd like to remind you that you said something quite different to me when I suggested the bat left dildo. <laughs> Just two floppy-ended, two-handed oh. weapons. Oh, the epic of Kalish will be so different. <laughs> There's a sparring one that's floppier. It's a deadly one. All right, on to article number two. The best prevention for Alzheimer's may be sleep. <laughs> Sorry, babe. Gotta take this midday nap. Self-care. <laughs> This is so you don't have to wipe my ass in 60 years. Thank me. Although if I do shit myself in my sleep, I do ask that you, just because yeah. it's our bed I'm sleeping in, that you at least hose me down. <laughs> I don't want to deal with that when I get up. Yeah. We, got, we have a pressure washer out back. If you could use its lowest setting. Yeah, it's okay if I wake up like Winnie the Pooh, like just wearing a shirt, no pants, and uh, all clean from the downside. Like, you don't have to redress me or anything, but for God's sakes, don't leave me there. Yeah, I met like one time on a bender, I woke up like Winnie the Pooh, and then I was smashed through a wall, and I was too obese and naked from the bottom half out. And I might have just had sex with Piglet. <laughs> By the way, I imagine this piece of art in your house, right? Bobby, picture like you have a, you have like a wall, like on, on one side, you have adorable Winnie the Pooh, like with honey in his hand. But on the other side, you just have Pooh's ass. But I want a really graphic representation of Pooh's ass, anatomically correct of what a bear's back half would look like. And that's art, uh, Bobby. That's art. Oh, dear. So what is Alzheimer's disease? It's another thing we've covered a ton on this show because it's so prevalent. It happens to a ton of people. I think in the end, it's like the seventh or eighth leading cause of death in the United States. It's actually death by Alzheimer's. And most people who get it won't die from it because they'll die from other stuff. So it's actually a fairly big deal. It causes a lot of uh, neurological issues and confusion. Huge problems for family and their caretakers. Like if, if you hundred percent, if you are a caretaker for like if you are the wife of somebody with Alzheimer's, uh -huh. you you stand a significantly higher chance just from the stress of of getting contracting Alzheimer's within a certain period of time yeah. yourself. It's horrible. It's a fucking nightmare and a, bl a blight upon a family. Yes. Totally, totally. And it, and it's characterized by these amyloid beta plaques that build up in the brain. Now, again, we've covered this on the show before. We don't know if this is the symptom or the cause. We don't know if these, these plaques are causing the, the actual Alzheimer's or if Alzheimer's itself causes more of these plaques to build up. But they are diagnostic of the condition. So... One of the proteins called AB42 is actually one of the, like, the bases, the leading causes of these amyloid beta plaques getting built up. And what's interesting about AB42 is as it gets naturally produced in your brain, a healthy brain removes AB42 before it even becomes a problem, before it can accumulate into those plaques. And it does so while you're sleeping. So what they found is that the microglia, which are just the, the tiny little elements in your immune system, on, in, the, in the brain side of your immune system, they clear these proteins out based on your circadian rhythm. Uh, here's a quote from the Science Daily article. In a series of elegant experiments testing this hypothesis, the team established that the amount of AB42 ingested by healthy macrophages oscillates with a certain daily circadian rhythm. That pattern did not occur in macrophages without a circadian clock, meaning that when they didn't have that regular circadian rhythm, the microglia, or macrophages when they're called outside of the brain, aren't taking this AB42 away. 
They also measured daily oscillations in the levels of heparin sulfate proteoglycans and chondrit sulfate protoglycans produced on the surface of macrophage cells with healthy circadian cycles. Peak AB42 clearance occurred as production of surface cell protoglycans was at its lowest level and removal of these protoglycans increased ingestion, which suggests that the protoglycans inhibit AB42 clearance. And so what they're basically saying is being able to get sleep and the period of sleep is crucial for this process to go through. And it's not just sleep itself. It is setting a circadian rhythm because your hormones get balanced out in that within that rhythm. So if you are falling out of your circadian rhythm, then you might have a harder time clearing AB42. This is interesting because there actually are not just anecdotal, but a couple of reports in the literature of people who have like night shift work and stuff being more susceptible to diseases like Alzheimer's. Yes. Uh, I mean, I, I mean, we figured it out. We live in a border town right across from Mexico. We know right. that, you know, uh, some of the most grueling labor jobs are done by immigrant labor. Uh, and that yeah. could wreck hell with your, which is why uh, my my people, my ancestors and I learned to take siestas during the day against cactuses, which yes. <laughs> leading against a cactus you would think would be counterintuitive, but any, but it really limits the nap. You know, you can't move around too much. You can't can't really it's, its, it's its own alarm clock, yeah. Wisdom of the ancients, Bobby. Wisdom of the ancients. Really interesting because anything we can do for Alzheimer's prevention, we should look into. Uh, those people who are around the disease and see what it does to people realize that if we can stop this thing, it's one. Of, it's like Hitler. Like, if we got to invent the nuclear bomb to stop him, then let's invent the nuclear bomb, fuck the future type thing. Uh, same thing with Alzheimer's. It's just such a devastating disease. It is so common, and most people don't realize how incredibly common it is. And our ability to fight it is so pathetic. I mean, we're not, we're really not fighting much better than we did 50 years ago. We have a couple of ne uh, neurology-based drugs, but like, really, the the progression of the disease isn't that much different. This is, you know, in juxtaposition to something like cancer, where we have made huge strides in the last 50 years, not nearly as much for something like Alzheimer's. We can take everything we can get. So get plenty of sleep and try and stay on those circadian rhythms so that uh, you don't have to be taken care of in diapers at an older age. We're getting close to the end of the episode. Usually I try to fit in a dick joke, but because Alzheimer's is serious, uh, we've also talked about cooking with tinfoil. Like that's that's something that's still up there. So yeah. I know. I've, also, I, penis, I, I penis, have... baba I'm sorry to disappoint. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Thank you, audience, for coming back for Science Faction 602, where you learned all about aluminum power and how to sleep your way through Alzheimer's disease. Thank you so much for joining us, and come on back next week for Science Faction 603. Hello, Damien. I let it go to voicemail. I, I didn't want you to stop me. We can't see each other anymore. <laughs> it was with a heavy heart that I informed you that while my heart says there's something there, my brain tells me that you're something of a sexually selfish gene. Good. Goodbye. <laughs> You've been listening to Science Function. Wait, that's not right. <laughs>